Welcome to the Injury Report. I am your host, Joe Brenner. Today is Thursday, November 24th, Thanksgiving. I'm going to get this out a little late because of the holiday. And to start things off, we are going to preview the game with my friend, my one of my most loyal friends, who has such an infectious laugh. And some people bleed red, he bleeds scarlet. That's why he's going to be on here. It is the man, the myth, Eric Wheeler. How are you today, Eric? Good, man. How are you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm glad you can join us. Yeah, man, I'm excited. All right, to kick things off here, what do you think are some of the, your factors for each team to maybe get a shot at taking this thing home? I want to just start out by saying that this game is going to be – I hope it lives up to what the hype is because – we could be looking at the new game of the century, you know what I mean, it's compared to the 2006 Ohio State-Michigan game. Um, I think the biggest storyline right now is Corum. You know, if Blake Corum can go, if he can't go, because the other question after that is, Blake Corum at 80% good enough to beat Ohio State? Because I know Blake Corum at 100% is, but what does he look like at 80 75%, you know, just because obviously if he does play, he's not going to be fully healthy. I agree, and so I've been looking into his injury a little bit. That's a great segue for me. Thank you. Uh, he appears to have had something to do with his knee. He re-entered the game, which if you know if they thought anything was structurally damaged last week, they would not let him do that. So I think he may have sprained or whatever. I bet there's some stiffness and some swelling, but he's going to have the best in the world working. I mean, Michigan's medical center too is top notch. So. He's going to have the best in the world working on that to get that thing going. They're also worried about being able to run the ball with their um, backup running back, Donovan Edwards. He hasn't played in a couple games, and he has some sort of lower leg injury they've been pretty quiet about. Two more injuries for Michigan. Eric All, their tight end to start the year, who was having a pretty good season, was out and just had a surgery that he said was life-changing. There was no undisclosed injury or anything so I think he's going to be more that could be like cancer or something so I'm keeping an eye on that and then their backup tight end Luke Schoonmaker left with a head injury as well so that's the Michigan offense is pretty beat up and with J.J. McCarthy not really being able to push the ball down the field as well as of especially C.J. Stroud um, that lack of tight ends and running backs or where he can get those cheap completions or could be you know mm-hmm. a huge one of his crutches that he relied on could be gone. Huge, huge, huge game coming for the linebackers of Ohio State this weekend. Because if you can't, if you can't stop those running back and tight end routes, because honestly, I think Michigan's biggest weakness on offense is their wide receivers. Like they have drops, they don't create much separation. That's why I'm not mean to throw JJ a bone, but his receivers aren't good at separation. And college football usually doesn't work out the best, you know. But yeah, in college football, if you can't get five yards of separation, you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. And then to touch on the two, because uh, you talked about Donovan Edwards too, and just to touch on him and Corum actually, Blake Corum and then Donovan Edwards. At the beginning of the season, I really thought they were comparable to the Ohio State running backs, Trayvon Henderson and Maya Williams. You know, when when all four are healthy, is Corum is like Mayan and he's like your guaranteed like three yards, four yards, just kind of a bruiser. You know, he hits the holes. And then Henderson and uh, 
Henderson and uh, Donovan Edwards from Michigan. They're kind of like your uh, guys you want to get in space. You know, they're kind of home run hitters compared to the other two. Don't get me wrong. I think Coram's the best running back of these four right now, obviously. But I think, yeah, I think they're really comparable. I thought I, I thought Ohio State's running backs would have a better year, but they can't stay healthy either of them, really. Yes, and both of them are dealing with foot injuries as well that weren't really talked about. Uh, there's not really a bunch of depth. I think that Mayan is more of like a turf toe situation, and – I think Trayvon's is more of a sprain. Trayvon Henderson was the one that had the – he was with Archie Griffin in the Chipotle commercial or something. Yeah, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> I bet yeah. he wishes he could go back and take yeah. that one down a little bit. And then the only other notable real injury for Ohio State this week is going to be Jackson Smith and Jig yeah. Brothers. You know, will he play, won't he play? hasn't really done much since he left the Notre Dame game with a hamstring injury. But my hated Amika Buka – that was out of nowhere. That guy, I was like, oh, we, we, we knocked out the best receiver in the country. Let's yeah. go. And then that guy just waltzes off the sidelines and puts up two touchdowns and 200 yards. Jeez. But, um, yeah, I think that that's a pretty good comparison. I, I think they just don't need, need to utilize. I think what happens to Ohio State is they're so much better than most of the teams they play. They don't have to run the ball or do – they can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah. And I think then when they get there – to, to these big games with Michigan, they just don't have that uh, mentality. They're just like, why isn't this working like it normally does? I think a, a run game will be important for them. I th- and, you know, yeah. the last 12 se- games or whatever, the per- team who's had more rushing yards won the game. Yeah. And another thing, too, that I think is kind of – it's not overlooked. And, like, I think people are underrating this, but Ohio State is – Ohio State actually averages more yards per carry than Michigan on the ground. But – Michigan's a lot more methodical, and they've ran the ball, I think, 70 more carries, which is a, that's a big amount of volume. So Michigan is better running the ball. I think they are. I'm just saying, like, I think it's a big misconception right now that OSU can't run the ball, you know what I mean, just because we rely on our pass game. I think they can. I just don't think they do. Yeah. They just yeah. choose not to. They just seem to, yeah, try to – and, it, of course, this is another thing I think might happen is – I played with a receiver who got some looks uh, for the Chiefs in college, and when you see someone who's that much better than everybody else on the field, you're like, why can't we just give this ball, this guy the ball every single play? And can you imagine what Marvin Harrison Jr. does in practice every day? Yeah. He probably does stuff every week. They're like, holy crap, that is unreal. And then they just like, why, why don't we do this all the time? And it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately, in games. So I think they might it, it might be too easy to fall in love with the talent and the skill they have on the outside and forget that like oh we can just get seven yards at a time yeah. if we just run the ball too something too I think both defenses are gonna play since you brought up the receiver play I think both defenses um, Michigan and Ohio State's defenses are gonna go press man the whole game really I think Michigan's gonna dare Ohio State in that way don't they'll bracket them maybe but like. I think it's going to be the first time for a long period of time you're going to see press man. I know Ohio State's going to do it because they're going to stack the box, you know. It's just I, I could see Michigan rolling out there and press man for at least until until the big play happens, you know what I mean, to try because that's what they did last year. And now I think that they think, you know, it's tougher. I, I, I would be surprised just because that is the one thing Michigan did differently last year because they had that same defensive coordinator for like mm-hmm. five years in a row and they had all the talent. They did the same thing where – we're playing the Sisters of the Poor in Purdue, and we're playing Illinois. We can lock down those guys on the outside all day. And then they try to do the same thing, and they just didn't realize 
the next level of athlete that Ohio mm-hmm. State has had consistently at receiver. So I would be surprised if they tried that. I think it would be uh, foolish just because I think that is the – I'd want Ohio State to run the ball, not because mm-hmm. I don't think they can, just because I, I have that big – right, like you said. I think that – and if I'm going to give my prediction right now, I think Ohio State wins because they have – Two, they have one play a half pretty consistently that is just a, a big play touchdown. And if you can do that consistently, that's what the Dolphins are doing right now. Mm-hmm. That one touchdown at half is when you're scoring 14 points cheaply, that could be the difference in a game very easily, especially a game that's supposed to be this close. Yeah, and Michigan doesn't really play a style of football that's going to like keep a big lead if they get a big lead because they're going to, I mean, they're very, they're so methodical running the ball, man. Like they're so precise. The holes, like, that's like Coram's kind of fun to watch because the holes he takes, he just kind of, like, he's so small and bendy, dude, he just kind of gets through them. Like, their offensive line's good, but I think Coram's making them look a lot better than what they actually are. But it's, I don't know, man. I'm so excited for this game. Do you have a prediction? I think Ohio State wins, just like you said. I don't think Michigan can handle the big playability over and over again. Um, I told you before, though, I don't think any team can really pull away like quickly. I don't think any team can kill each other. But I just – Michigan's worse at the catch-up game than we are, I think, if they got to that. Right well, now the line is eight on Barstool. I think that if you take either – I think whoever scores first is going to be huge because I think if – Ohio State goes up 10. Mm-hmm. Like I've said, C.J. Stroud is better with the lead, and it, nobody's going to catch Ohio State with a 10-point lead. You mm-hmm. spot them 10 points, no way. Michigan, if they get up 10, you might not see the ball for the rest of the half. Yeah, you know, exactly. So I think if you can get up early, I think that, that – t- and put the other team, either quarterback, I think in panic mode – is not good. Yeah. I think if you force J.J. McCarthy to be the offense for Michigan, that is what Ohio State wants. And I think if you can just make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable, that's what Michigan wants. Not that, I mean, you don't want the ball necessarily to be in his hands if you're Michigan, but you do want him to not be feeling his best because yeah. he is a very volatile player in that sense. And then last week I saw that too with because. Uh, just with J.J., like the, the, the last drive for Michigan against Illinois last week, Michigan tried to throw the ball, and it was like very – it didn't make much sense to me because I think they're already on like the 35-yard line. But they threw it like four or five times that drive, and, dude, they were not they were not good looks. And, like, if you try to force that against Ohio State, our DBs are just better than Illinois, and I feel like we can make a play on that. And two of the two of the balls got swatted at the line and probably would have been picked off if the defensive lineman didn't swat them, you know. So that was – I don't have much hope in there in Michigan's past game. Especially, and it was weird, too, because they started out so hot. J.J. McCarthy was, I think, the first five or six weeks, he was the uh, first in the nation in completion percentage. Again, just, I think, yeah, a lot of the times it's just who you're playing makes a difference. You know, it's, absolutely. it's easy to score against Colorado. What was that they beat, beat up on first game of the year or something like that? Got Colorado State. Um, so this game will obviously have playoff implications considering they are both in the playoff right now. If the playoff happened tomorrow, they'd be two and three. What do you think ha- – do you think both teams what, – what are the – obviously the winners in no matter what. Do you think that if either team gets blown out, that ends their chances or no? Yes, I believe so just because they're, so, they're both such a jump for each other compared to what they played this year. 
that this game is going to imply everything for the rest of the season, especially, like, in a close game, I think both could get in if Michigan loses in a close game. If Ohio State loses in a close game, I don't think they'll get the nod just because, like, you were at home and everything like that. You know what I mean? I think Ohio State's resume is better because of that Notre Dame win Mm -hmm. at home. And if Notre Dame knocks off USC as well, then, yeah, Notre Dame will have potentially beat two conference champions and lost to Ohio State. So that could be really helpful for them. The other, so I'm more inclined to think that Michigan can, Michigan needs to win and Ohio State wants to win. I got you. I also think that Michigan or Ohio State won't lose two years in a row, especially at home. No, and the, and I didn't realize until I saw this on uh, I think it was Twitter today. This is Michigan's first game in the shoe since 2018, right? Because of COVID they skipped year. the COVID year. So Dwayne Haskins was the last time they played in, in Ohio State. Wow! And I think, man, I, I I'm just so I'm so excited for this game. Dude. Yeah. It's gonna be. I hope it's as good as it's getting hyped up to be. I yeah I think yeah, yeah Michigan's defense I think they're a little bit just watching I think that they're not as good. I think they're really good. I don't think they're world beaters, but they fly around the field. They have fun. I mean, they were, you know, close with Illinois, and guys were patting each other on the back mm-hmm. and stuff when people are getting making mistakes because they. I think they love each other, and I think that'll go a long way. So I don't expect either team to quit, but I really think whoever gets out into the early lead, uh, it gets their get really helps them out. And Michigan's got. They, they have good defensive line, good pass rushers. Their defensive tackle, I think, is the best player on their defense. I'm, his name slipped in my mind right now. But I think it's worth it to note they don't have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo this year, who were – Ojabo would have been a first-round pick if he didn't tear his ACL in the end of last season. But those are two first-round guys that were rushing Stroud last year, and now Michigan doesn't have that, which – like, but like I said, they're still good. They're just not elite guys like those two were. But I think Ohio, Ohio State's defense is going to be a difference in this game compared to last year, man, just because they're not – the way we play now, I mean, we fly around, we're physical. And to beat Michigan, man, I just feel like you got to you got to make the great runs be good runs instead of great runs. You know what I mean? And that goes on the safeties and the linebackers. And I think Ohio State has two of the best safeties in the country. And Lathan Ranson and uh, Ronnie yeah. – They're both fun. Yeah, and Ronnie Hickman. They're both, they're both really good, though. And then – Eichenberg, he's probably going to, or a linebacker, he's probably going to go on to win the uh, Dick Buckus Award. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Our defense looks really, really, really good. This is the one of the best defense I've watched for Ohio State in a while. I think they're going to be the difference in the game more than the offense because the offense will do what I expect them to, I think. Last year the defense didn't really do, you know, they're in, they just got bullied, and I don't think that's going to happen again. I agree. So as we both agree that Ohio State is – our pick, and I'd, I'd even pick them to cover at the the eight points. Uh, I think the at home is huge. Do you who who is your final four teams at this moment? I hate that they're allowing Alabama to slip back up in there. They need to go home. They don't have any real wins. They just yeah. it's Alabama, and I I don't think TCU really. I think they're gonna drop it. I think, I think they're gonna drop the and, ball. And I think TCU is kind of the team you're gonna look at when they get in and be like. Well, that's a buy for whoever plays them. No, I mean, not that I've, like, I don't know. There's just always a team that kind of gets bullied in the playoffs, and I think that would be TCU this year. They're all, yeah, I think that that's the issue right now is this, they did the they did the 14 playoff for the third team because there's 
usually a third team that could make a claim for, yeah, oh, we deserve yeah, it, and like that we got screwed by the BCS system. There's very rarely four teams that actually deserve to get in. Yeah. But I guess my four right now, I'm going to assume OSU and Georgia both went out. So I'm going to say Georgia won, Ohio State two. Then I know because Tennessee losing really throws a wrench in that because they were going to be that fourth team. And if uh, I don't think we'll see a two loss Oregon really get a real shot. If at USC it. wins out, I think they should be, they'll they'll be in and I they'd th- they'd be a fun playoff team just because Caleb Williams is up like he is absolutely in the conversation for best quarterback in the nation right now. Um, I could see that as well. I and this is again going to be this could potentially be the first year where it's not well who are we who we have six teams that are deserving who's yeah. going to go in it's like we can barely find three and four yeah. right now if, if tcu goes down and usc drops to notre dame then we have a full two loss actually what i kind of hope happens because i think it would be funny is if clemson backs their way in i think i could see it happening if they're a one loss yeah. their only loss is to notre dame it was a bad loss they're not a good team mm-hmm. but if they pull it out against North Carolina, they have to play South, South Carolina, too, in, who just destroyed Tennessee. Tennessee. So if they can pull out that W, and they, they could real, really shore up their resume yeah. right at the end of the year with wins against North and South Carolina, I would be it would be a lot of fun if uh, they were able to pull that out. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, again, it would be, they would get destroyed, but they have That's a the thing. After case. those first three, man, and I think, I think me and you agree, and Georgia looks like the most complete team in the country right now. Um, Assuming this is assuming Ohio State wins on Saturday because that's where we're making our playoff predictions on. Second, maybe Michigan is that fourth team then. Maybe Michigan is, but then it's just it's all up to TCU. Honestly, like TCU's got to we got to see where TCU is going to fall if they can win out. Here's the other thing: is do you think the committee would let? Let's say it is Georgia, Ohio State, one of the conference champs, whether it be Clemson, USC, or TCU, and then very clearly Michigan. Do you think that because as we both agree, Georgia is definitely number one. Yes. Ohio State's definitely number two yeah. in this scenario. Yes. The conference champion would be number three. Mm-hmm. Michigan would be number four. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. gonna say they they wouldn't have to do any rolling around to avoid a pl- uh, rematch. No, and I was college. The playoff committee is probably hoping for that scenario because if that's not the exact scenario, it's gonna get real like. Yeah, like because right now they're still kind of showing they're sticking to their guns, you know. Mm-hmm. Like their their picks they made two weeks ago is still affecting their picks they made, like this week. You yeah. know, instead of like going and looking at like, like Alabama. I know it's they played Austin P. Right. Thirty four to zero against Austin P is like unacceptable for Alabama because right. it's not like you played them in early in the season. You know, you played them two weeks ago. Right. So, I don't. I'm very. Ex- it's exciting. It is. Of course it is. But how do you feel about the 12-team playoff? We haven't got to talk about it a lot. I talked about it a little bit with Andrew. I think that it'll be fun. I don't think it's necessary. And I think, again, there's going to be one or two teams that – and I think the first four do deserve a bye because, I mean, making – Give them something to play for at the end of the year, I think, is a big thing. Yes. It, yeah, it makes these games worth more. And, again, yeah, especially because now – um, Alabama, Ohio State's, Georgia's. Notre Dame, USC have... becomes huge tomorrow. Yeah, or Saturday. You know that that becomes huge. But and these these teams like like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, who always find themselves in the top ten. Like you can lose two games now and get in the playoffs. Yes. That's how it's going to go. And Notre you're gonna, Dame, will you're going to get Notre Dame. Probably they'll probably get in the playoffs every year forever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and the same with the way USC's looking, the way Georgia's looking. Um, 
I I don't know. I like if there wasn't for the buys, I think it'd be a lot worse. But you need the buys just because I think you need to motivate those last four teams to still want to play the the conference games and you know everything like that. I also think you should make it so if you're a conference champ, automatic bid. If you're a Power yes. Five conference champ, yes. automatic bid. Absolutely. I think that especially if you have twelve teams, because now you can fit all of them. And I would love it if for it to be like home games, because I would mm. it would be great if you know. Uh, right now, Alabama had to travel to Washington. Yeah, that would especially so many like a crappy. Matches. Yes, but that would be great so to see them matches. have to play in Washington in January. Mm-hmm. You know, in the cold. Yes. So that is where I f- how I feel about the playoffs going forward. You got any more statistics and or numbers you want the people to be aware of? Any potential prop bets or anything coming up for Ohio State Michigan? No, I haven't been looking too much into the prop bets, but I'm just I'm it's crazy like this is just off PFF me and you talked about it a little bit how close they rank in just about every statistic. And it's I'm I'm just really excited for this game. This is the most I've been excited for a game, I think. And a long, especially Michigan Ohio State wise. Like I was excited last year, but man, I just Sound like, yeah. I mean, I was excited about Ohio State Notre Dame this year, but that didn't go my way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of that, so we're going to do – I am more of a C.J. Stroud skeptic, and you are more of a believer on his behalf. So what we are going to do is I – here are my terms for it. I think that since Notre Dame and Ohio State play each other again next year – the loser of our bet, I'm going to give you three prop bets for C.J. Stroud. Okay. And you get to go over, under on all of them. Okay. Okay, so if you win two out of three, you win. If you win one out of three or less, obviously you lose. So if um, I win, you have to wear a Notre Dame shirt underneath. You can wear it underneath your jersey, but it has to be the closest thing to your heart on the day of the game and vice versa. Okay? Deal. All right. Shake on it. We're Shake shaking. It. All right. So we are going to go with 275 yards, three touchdowns, and a 68 completion percentage. 68.0. So if he's 60, there's 7.9, no dice. So those are, those are my – oh, actually, I'm also going – we'll do three out of five because I'm also going to add um, – you can pick the the winner for your for one of them, and then I'll just get the other one. And then I also want to do twelve rush yards. So those are my okay. Those are my lines. So was that four? Then you just picked or was that five? The five four and the the winner of the game. Okay, so, so if you choose, I'll take Ohio State. Okay, obviously. so you got Ohio State. So over um, under two hundred and seventy five rush yards, or I mean pass yards. Pass yards. Um, what two seventy five? Yeah. I'm going to go under on the yards. Okay. Three touchdowns. Over. And three. Okay. We'll do, I'll, I'll say two and a half touchdowns. So that way it's okay. not. I'll go over then. Okay. Still. And then um, 12 rush yards. I'll go over. Oh, wait. We got to break out the and wheels. Did you, I don't did think you, you do said... completion percentage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's over under 68.0. So it'll be 60. Okay. We'll go 68.01. So that way. Or seventy nine point nine nine or something. So that way, if you eighty is the high or sixty eight is high and sixty seven is the low. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to take the over on that too, just because I know he's number one in the nation and yes, passer rating right now. Yeah. Completion percentage, not passer rating, completion percentage. He has had good numbers. So I'll go. I'm going over, over, under on the yards, and then obviously taking Ohio State. All right. So over on everything except for the passing yards. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time out of your Thanksgiving. It's great to see you. And uh, I'm sure we will be keeping touch throughout the game. Absolutely. Go Bucks. Welcome back to your regularly scheduled programming. To start us off, we'll give go with Ryan's picks. He went three and three last week. He's to 27, 25, and two overall. Still in the positive. That's pretty good considering it's been difficult the last couple of weeks. And I actually think, just thinking back, if he were to just stay away from the Big 12, he'd probably be 60 to 75%. That he just keeps underestimating, I think, how bad everyone is in that division. And when he tries to call a close game, it just doesn't go his way. Which, you know, usually he takes favorites too. So that's goes against his grain. I think he's just uh, looks looks in there a little bit too hard. He needs to stay away from that conference. Um, some other things that have happened over the past week before we get into the NFL or some college football stuff here. Uh, TCU will probably play Texas in the rematch um, for the Big 12 championship. That just happened. Texas just won today. Ryan's picks are Notre Dame plus five and a half against USC. It's a ballsy pick. I think you're expecting a low-scoring game. If you think that it's going to be USC, then you think it's going to be, um, or if you think it's going to be Notre Dame, you think it's going to be low-scoring because Notre Dame is not usually capable of putting up a ton of points that aren't coming off of turnovers. So a bet on Notre Dame is a bet on low scoring and against Caleb Williams, so that's kind of scary. He's also got Ohio State favored by eight against Michigan, which we already talked about. And then going back into the Big 12, he's got Oklahoma State as eight-and-a-half-point favorites against at home against West Virginia. Going to some other things, we have Von Miller barely missed an ACL. It looked like a classic ACL injury, and he was carted off the field in their Thanksgiving game. He is one of the players who could have been in three different teams in the Super Bowl. I think he'd be the first one to do it. So the fact that he missed his ACL means maybe he could be back for the playoffs, depending on whether there's structural damages in there. But that ACL is kind of the big thing that if it's holding things together, he should be good to go. Hinden Hooker also tore his ACL. I don't know if that was brought up before, but tech, that kind of takes Tennessee out of the running for a potential playoff spot. Neymar for Brazil in the World Cup is out with a high ankle sprain. He'll probably be out until the knockout stage. Remember, the low ankle sprain is a ligament in the foot area, and then a high ankle sprain is that ligament kind of in between your tibia and fibula. And that is what he most likely damaged. The same is true of Germany's Timo Werner, who tore his syndemosis, that ligament between the fibula, or fibula and tibia. And he'll most likely have to have surgery involving those screws that we talked about last week that hold those that together while it um, heals. 
France is going to be down. Benzema, who has an undisclosed quad injury. He just won the best player in the world, the golden boot or something. And then Paul Pogba, who is rehabbing a knee injury from earlier in the summer. So they're pretty beat up squad in general. Then they're missing two big names in their attempt to repeat. Sadio Mane from Senegal is also out with an injury to the head of his fibula. That's usually a crush injury or like an impact injury, but the peroneal nerve wraps around there and that provides that sensation and motor movement to the front and side of the leg as well as some of the foot muscles. So that is a potential for why he was out because it's not just a structural damage, it's also that neuro injury as well. Moving on to the NFL, Chicago traveled. I'm not going to do the Thanksgiving games because they're already past us, and I touched on the big injury was the Von Miller injury from that. Chicago heads to New York to play take on the Jets, where guard Lucas Patrick is out with a toe injury for the rest of the season, most likely a fracture that they just need to realign and make sure it heals properly because those guys put a lot of stress and weight on those feet you know you don't want anything to come back out of whack and be any lingering for the his future and also for the bears justin fields is questionable with a shoulder injury i think a lot of bears fans and people are thinking why not save him you know he's so young let's not force anything let's take the opportunity to get a better draft pick and i kind of agree with that if he has anything wrong with him he should be held out the Jets are pretty healthy. If you hear my parents in the other room, they just got back from a trip, and there's also hunters a couple miles away shooting, so there's going to be some pop-pop and some talk-talk in the background potentially. The Atlanta Falcons are, and the Jets are good to go if I didn't finish that. The Atlanta Falcons head to the nation's capital where Kyle Pitts will miss the probably remainder of the season within torn MCL, so he probably ruptured it pretty good, and they're also without their defensive tackle, Taquan Graham, who had the same injury, so two MCLs in the last week for Atlanta, and remember, most of the MCLs that we've seen have not required surgery, if that's the only thing, because it's one of the few knee ligaments that gets pretty good blood flow, and will be able to kind of heal, not all the way, but strengthen on its own, it doesn't really go back to as strong or as tight maybe it'll be loosened forever but without surgery but it will um, strengthen itself a little bit so those are the two guys that I guess have done it bad enough that they're going to need actual surgical treatment for that and Washington is pretty healthy Denver and Carolina play in a game that will hopefully be left out of the public sphere it's just going to be a gross game. KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy are both out for the already struggling Denver offense without Melvin Gordon as well, who they just cut. So it's going to be Russ and nobody else. He's losing his ingredients to cook. And Carolina is banged up a little bit, but they're just bad. So that's a game that hopefully nobody has to subject themselves to. Houston and Miami are both pretty healthy and Houston is at Miami, I think that should be a pretty good time for Miami to continue to grow their lead in the AFC East. 
Tampa Bay and Cleveland are playing in Cleveland, where Leonard Fournette will probably not play. He might be off the hip injury, making Richard White a pretty good option for those of you who are looking to pick someone up in fantasy if he's not already taken. And then guard Luke Godecki is still out with a foot injury for Tampa Bay as well. Cornerback Greg Newsom is going to be out for Cleveland with a concussion, and uh, they'll also lose Ethan Poichik, their center, with a knee injury, and he's going to be replaced by Greg Manx. Now, one of the things that we were talking about, one of my buddies asked me, or Eric did actually after we were talking about Ohio State and Michigan, he was talking about those neck br- things that I think I've talked about them on here, but if not, I'll just go over it again. They're little necklaces that guys are wearing in football. A lot of college guys have been wearing them, and you've seen them a little bit in the pros too. Uh, Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys, the tight end, was wearing it. They go around and they just put like, I think it's like two or seven pounds, something like that, pounds of pressure on your jugular veins. And all that does is prevent the, or keeps more fluid in your head. So it your jugular veins drain your blood and um, from your head and more pressure is more resistance against that. And it takes your body a little bit of time to overcome or compensate for that. So it'll cause a little bit of a, a backlogging into your head and that little extra fluid in there can prevent, um, it'll just act as a little force against concussion because the more fluid is in there, the less, the more force it would take for your brain to slide around in there. And not only would it be for the first impact, the coup, so if like you slam your head backwards against the ground, your brain might still impact the back of your head, but then the ricochet off the counter or contra coup, where it then comes back to the front of the head, that would be even more limited. So um, I haven't, I've heard only good things about the efficacy of them. I don't know what they feel like or anything, but it's one of those things where if it is cheap enough and doesn't cause any adverse effects and even if it doesn't really do anything good like the um you know the balance bands that people used to wear on their wrists and stuff if it makes you feel better and it can do anything positively then i think it's worth it especially when we're talking about concussions cincinnati heads to tennessee where we have the revenge game for tennessee to try and beat cincinnati who they lost to in the playoffs last year as the one seed joe mixon will be out with a concussion but Perrine has been pretty similar in their offense, not really losing much there. And then Jamar Chase might even come back this week for the big game for both of those squads. And then Baltimore, who's only a game up on Cincinnati in the AFC North, plays Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Wide receiver Devin Duvernay and Demarcus Robinson are both battling a hammy or, or hammy and hip injuries, respectively. And Gus Edwards has a hammy and knee, and Isaiah likely an ankle. So all those guys are questionable. I think they might not use Gus Edwards. He's been not very prominent out there. And then Isaiah likely they've really been relying on, but I think it's more the position of tight end in that offense is just a useful thing, and they have Andrews back as far as I know. So that would be not really need to push him all that much. And then the Jaguars might even get Clavon Chase and back, who will play. Oh, Ronnie Stanley is out for Baltimore as well. So 
he's their offensive tackle, and the Jaguars might get Clavon Chase and their or rushing linebacker to assist Trayvon Walker in that type of, or you know, they're going head to head, so that'll be nice to have him back against a backup tackle. The Chargers are going to Arizona, where we have another AFC West versus NFC West. And again, I started off at the beginning of the year saying that this was going to be the two conferences I was looking forward to watching the most. And now they are kind of just falling apart with really just the, I mean, the Seahawks aren't all that fun to watch, but they're the best team in the West, NFC. Um, The Niners are fun to watch and the Chiefs. So it's really just the Niners and the Chiefs. And they already played this year, so... I don't know if that inter-squad scrimmage matchup will really be worth monitoring as much going forward. Marquise Brown for the uh, Cardinals is expected to play, come back from a foot injury, as is Kyler Murray from his hamstring injury. So both those guys will probably see the field. Rondell Moore did not practice with a groin pain Thursday. And Mike Williams is still out for the... Chargers. Moving on to Las Vegas and Seattle, another NFC AFC West matchup. Both of those teams, no new injuries there. I like Seattle to keep things rolling. Vegas is always going to be a scrappy team, and I hope Devontae Adams continues to get me fantasy points, but I think that they have kind of given up on this season. The Rams are headed to Kansas City, another NFC, AFC West matchup, where center Brian Allen is going to be out for the Rams with a thumb injury, and they're not good offensively as it is, so that'll hurt their pass protection and their quarterback, who's been hurt off and on all year, and their running game, which has been non-existent. Kansas City has been playing pretty well the last or you know, three years or so. I was going to lose Kadarius Tony, who immediately made an impact, but it will be out with a hamstring injury. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is on the IR with an ankle injury. New Orleans heads to San Francisco to talk about the last team of the NFC West. Landry, Ingram, and Mike Thomas are all contemplating playing for New Orleans, but the rest of the team looks good to go, and San Francisco doesn't have any new Uh, for sure injuries either. And then Green Bay heads to Philly for the Sunday night game where both teams are pretty much good to go other than Romeo Dobbs is still out. The Packers need a win to kind of stay alive. The Eagles have looked beatable the last couple weeks. I don't think they plan on doing the same this week. The Colts played them pretty tough last week. Came down to a final point after their first loss of the year. And Pittsburgh travels to Indianapolis, so we just talked about for the Monday night game. Two gritty teams. Both of them have a couple guys questionable, but no real injuries. And looking to repeat gritty performances. They both lost last week where Pittsburgh lost a close one to Cincinnati and Indianapolis lost a close one to Philly, as we said. Uh, I think that the better team is probably Pittsburgh in this scenario. And I'd like to see Kenny Pickett kind of develop against this Indianapolis defense a little bit. Maybe put the ball a little bit more in his hands. So that wraps up our quick, quick holiday review of the NFL games. And then our injured versus recovery. We've injured the entire Miami Heat as 
last week. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, and Gabe Vincent were all out for the Cavs game I went to the other day, which is kind of a bummer. It's still cool to see the Heat in person. That was my first time. But, it, you know, my brother actually went to a game when the Big Three was there, and Bosh Wade and James were all out for that game as well. So it does is a bummer when you go to see your team if they're not in your city and none of those your guys are playing. But that's, I guess, how the cookie crumbles sometimes, and they got their butts kicked anyway. The Heat, the Cavs actually looked really good. I'm really impressed with Darius Garland just upon – Looking at him, he doesn't look like a stellar athlete, but he his on-ball defense, he was picking guys up at half court and really bothering them, pestering them the whole way. And offensively, he's been on a tear too. Both their guards there. They just need a three, and I think they'd be uh, probably the, eh, not the favorites. In the, eh, uh, a solid three forward. You know, that's kind of what they're missing because their big men down low are pretty versatile and good defenders, and they have the guard play for it. They just need one real scoring forward, and I think they're, they put themselves in greater contention in the East. Not that they're already there. Not already there. And then recovered the SEC. Not good. I don't think, like, if you really think about it, the only team that has a good out-of-conference win in the whole conference is Georgia, and everybody else is just beating up on each other. Tennessee now has two losses. LSU has two losses to the same, you know, two teams. Alabama has two losses, and no, no, they're just beating up on each other. Nobody has a good, solid win against anybody else, but now it seems as if Alabama might be able to back their way into the playoff, and that comes on the coattails of the injured ACC because NC State is up 17-10 to 10 at halftime against North Carolina right now, and then Clemson has to play South Carolina, so both of the one lot we went from the ACC having a for sure one loss champion to they could have two each team have two losses before we even get there so that would effectively rule them out potentially maybe um TCU I think they could maybe if they lose to Texas in the Big 12 championship still get in because they already beat them once I'm not sure about their chances against Iowa State. I think at this point they're just a gritty good team. I'm really big fan of their wide receiver Quentin Johnston. But I mean, I don't think both Ohio State and Michigan get in, but this could be the year for that too. So maybe it is just going to be T and we still have USC. So it's very unlikely that two SEC teams get in. But the fact that it's still a on the table thing for Alabama to get in with two losses is mind-boggling and infuriating. Recovered Zeke for the Cowboys, but that might be bad because Tony Pollard is clearly better, giving them much more explosion. And I don't know if it's because he's smaller. He just doesn't – he just moves better in that offense. And I think it's just he's a better athlete at this point in his career. Injured soccer draws are the worst. The U.S. men's national team just drew their second game in – a row, their second match in a row after a game they dominated against Wales. They gave up a penalty kick to Gareth Bale in late in the game off of a silly foul. And then today they just had a scoreless, you know, 95 minutes of scoreless soccer with England, which, you know, good to not lose to England, but 
I think they played better there too. And if they draw again, they will be out of the tournament. So they need a win. And I have them as they're injured too. The best thing that soccer can do, I think, to make it more fun is if they just have guys, you know, start being able to use their hands, maybe pick up the ball and run with it. And then instead of trying to kick it into a goal, they just run to a designated area. And then once they get there, that's like the end of it. And then we start over instead of a goal. And instead of the goals being one point, they're like maybe four or five or six or something like that. So I think there's a a little bit of um, some tweaks that you can make to make soccer more fun to watch. And then recovered the Kings who haven't made the playoffs for a very, very long time, have the best record in California right now, better than the struggling Warriors, Lakers, and Clippers. So the Sacramento Kings are the Kings of Cali right now. And then finally, our last recovered because I did the two injured one, the Clippers, who are still without Kawhi, Paul George, and Luke Kennard, who I think I did them for my injured or included them in my NBA injury report last week, and they're still not coming back there, but they're all just, there's no timetable for the first two. And I think Kennard's just nursing an ankle. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope they enjoy their rivalry weekend, no matter what it is, but around here, uh, I'm a Notre Dame fan, but the game is a holiday. So that's what I'll be doing tomorrow, Saturday at noon. See you next time.